Good morning. Good to see you. Um, I think there's something special going on today, this afternoon, isn't there? What did I hear about? Some sort of a game or something. So, yeah, some minor little thing. Kudos to you for being here, because you had an excuse to not be here. Thank you for showing up. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, I... uh, I am still in Ephesians 4. Sorry, I'm really slow getting through it, but there's a whole lot there. So uh, if you're watching this on video or listening to it on the radio, and you hear that I'm still in Ephesians 4, it's not a rerun, okay? It's not a rerun. I may repeat myself. I'm I'm prone to do that. I'm getting old, but um, it's not a rerun. Ephesians 4. We're going to start in verse 17. Uh, Paul here in verse 17, he's talking about clothing. He's talking about, you know, clothing is, clothing is, it's a big deal to some people. You know, I remember when I was younger and, uh, and I would go to the mall to find something to wear and, you know, pick out a shirt. I would spend a lot of money on clothes. I would spend like, uh, you know, and this was back in, uh, Gosh, this was back in the 70s. I would spend like 80 bucks for a pair of jeans in the 70s. Do you know how long I had to work for 80 bucks back then? That was like, you know, that was like two weeks worth of wages to buy a pair of jeans. It was a big deal what we wear, you know. Now it's uh, Costco jeans for 12.99. That's what I wear. So it's not a, not a big deal to me anymore. But um, But fashion is kind of a big deal. And Paul is talking about clothes, uh, our divine wardrobe, our divine wardrobe, which is provided to us by God. It's clothing provided by God. Can you imagine? Uh, that's a big deal. Imagine what a big deal that is. This is clothing that doesn't go out of style. Now, I know men, when you get a little older, you know, I think I've had this shirt for six or seven years. I don't really know. Kind of lose track. You know, as long as there's not a hole in it somewhere, I'm going to go ahead and wear it. So fashion doesn't mean a lot for some people, especially men, when you get a little older. But but things do go in and out of style, don't they? You know, I like t-shirts because they're always in style. In fact, if I, if I walk in here on a Sunday and I'm wearing a shirt with a collar on it, then the guys, they think I'm probably going to be teaching. Because otherwise, it's a t-shirt, right? i got a whole closet full of t-shirts. But fashion's important. And the clothes that God gives us, it doesn't go out of fashion. Always in fashion. Always in style. Um, the fact is that Paul is saying that we have a wardrobe. We have clothing that we wear before we're a Christian. And when we become a Christian... We need to change our clothes. We need to change our clothes. The clothes that we wore before we're a Christian just doesn't cut it. The clothes, there's that saying, you know, that says that clothing makes the man. There's some truth to that, you know. Uh, If you walk into my office when I'm at work in the summertime, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And you're going to probably think I'm the janitor. Actually, the guys who work on the facility here, they probably dress a little better than I do. 
you would have no idea that I have any kind of, you know, any kind of a position in this place at all. But if you walk into some other church across town, they might be wearing a tie. And then you're going to know, oh, they, they've, they've got to be somebody here. You know, clothing kind of does make the man. Clothing that you wear before you're a Christian makes you who you are. Or maybe who you are makes the clothing that you wear. And Paul is saying here in Ephesians 4, verse 17, he's saying you need to change that. That needs to be a part of the change that takes place when you become a Christian. Uh, Paul describes that pagan lifestyle to these Ephesians in verse 17. So I'm going to read verse 17. It says, So I tell you this, and I, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And then he explains that. He says, In the futility of their thinking, they're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you for your word. We ask you, Lord, to impart your wisdom and understanding to us. We ask you to focus our heart and mind on your word and open it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that kind of a life that Paul is talking talking about there, apart from God, it's a downward spiral that begins with the hardness of our heart, and then you move on to the darkness of the heart, and then the deadness of the heart. And then finally, there is a total, complete, unabandoned recklessness. It's an unrestrained abandonment to sin. So let me quickly go through that again. Hardness of your heart, darkness of your heart, deadness of your heart, and then an abandonment in a pursuit to sin. Does that sound familiar to anybody right now? Does that sound like something you've seen before? Where people, as a society, get a hard heart towards God, towards the things of God, and then they move on to a darkness in their heart, and then they move on to a deadness, and then all the stops are pulled out. There's nothing that's not on the table. It's, it's just a continual need for more and more and more of a sinful lifestyle. Hardness of a man's, of a man's heart has, at the root, has, uh, has a hardening of the heart. Verse 18, and I may have mentioned this last week, I'm not sure, uh, it says they're darkened in their understanding and they're separated from God because of an ignorance due to the hardening of their heart. What happens when you get a hard heart? You have no empathy for anybody or anything, right? You, you, don't, you don't care about people. If you see somebody who is in some sort of suffering, some sort of, they're, they're dealing with some sort of uh, 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 a terrible condition, or maybe something happened in their life that, that should make you respond in your heart towards them, then you don't feel anything. 
And I've talked to people before, uh, people particularly who come from, uh, they've, they've spent years in terrible war zones, and they've seen all kinds of things that I've only seen maybe on a movie, probably not even on a movie, but they've experienced them. And they'll tell me, they'll say, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. I don't feel love toward my wife. I don't feel pain when I see someone suffering or when I see something that should emote some sort of an emotion in my life. I don't feel anything. Now that's probably due to what they experienced. You know, you might term that PTSD. So that's something that they experienced. But what we're talking about here is somebody that because they've turned their heart away from God and they have restrained God in their life, their heart gets hard and they don't feel anything. I've talked a lot about responding to the Holy Spirit. In order for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, because I believe every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them, and that's how God directs us, is by the Holy Spirit. But we have to have a sensitivity to that. We have to be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit has something to say to us. And what's happened here is people have gotten a hard heart and they've lost that sensitivity. That doesn't mean that God's not still going to speak to them because I believe He does. I believe people who have even turned their back toward to, uh, on God and walked away from God, God doesn't stop seeking them. He continues to seek them. They're just rejecting Him. They're saying, I don't want to hear it. Talk to the hand. I don't want to hear it. I want to live my life for myself and what makes me happy. You know, there was a saying back in the 70s, it feels good, do it. That's the, that's the attitude. I want to do whatever I think is going to make me happy, not what God thinks is going to make me happy. And that's a tragic situation because that's what leads to the situation that we have right there where... Um, where there's no sensitivity, where there's a darkness, there's a hardening of the heart, there's blackness, there's a, 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 a downward spiral into the depths of sin, leading ultimately leading to hell. It's going to lead them to hell. So that hardening of their heart, it's an inability, it's an unwillingness to respond to God. That darkness from the hardening uh, they're darkened in their understanding. You know, this kind of a situation has become very public these days. You will see it. You'll see it on your TV all the time, and you you recognize that darkness, don't you? You can recognize that. Um, there was a performance that took place, very public performance, broadcast on all the networks. That was. Absolutely, it was a satanic ritual that took place in a very public place. What would lead anyone to think that that would be okay? Was my thought, was my question. Why would anybody think that that's okay to do that in a public place like that? When it's broadcast on all of the major networks, should have been probably millions of people watching, and it's a satanic ritual. They didn't even try to hide it. They didn't even try to try to present it as something that wasn't because that's been done in the past. But what happened there is a dark 
heart, a dead heart, a hard heart, where people are openly thumbing their nose to God. Now, God may let them get away with that for a while, but I'm telling you, there's a day of reckoning coming. And people will answer for what they're doing. People will answer for that to that for God. And uh, I don't want to be in their situation. That's for sure. I believe that that my my place right now is to, you know, I believe that God will hold me accountable for everything that I say here. He's going to help me hold me accountable for everything I don't say. And sometimes what I feel the Holy Spirit is moving me to say is very uncomfortable. You know, sometimes sometimes I look uncomfortable because I am uncomfortable. I don't want to say those kinds of things because they're difficult things to hear, right? For some people. Some people are probably fine with it, but um, but you've got to call it out for what it is, don't you? You've got to say what it is. I, I don't want to be guilty of having that hardness of heart when the Holy Spirit says, you need to talk about this, and, and I don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. That happens to me all the time. You know, I, I tell my wife, I say, I've got I to gotta speak about this and this because that's what's there. And you know, in our, uh, in our uh, church here, we go verse by verse through the Bible. We don't want to skip it. And I'll say that, <laughs> I'll say that, and then the very next Sunday I have to talk about something that I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That's really uncomfortable. So anyway, that's where we are. Hardness of the heart. It's a separation from God. It's a separation to make anything. It's a separation that allows people to move into any sort of a degenerate activity and feel no guilt about it. And that's what's happened. It's to the point where a satanic ritual can be performed in a public place without apology or without any feeling of guilt. So it leads to a recklessness. That that death, that separation from God, losing all the sensitivity, it leads to a spiritual death. There's, it, there's, it's, people, are, people are dead inside. Now can God resurrect the dead? Yes, He can. He can. God can. But you know, you think about, think about uh, Lazarus, when the Lord resurrected Lazarus from the dead, how did that work? Think about how that worked. If you can think about that, those verses in the Bible, get a, get a little vision in your mind. See it in your mind. There's a tomb there. Remember, these were caves, and uh, you know they would put the bodies on the inside. So Jesus would have been standing probably outside or maybe close to the entrance. And, and ha- what happened? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Right? Probably not like in the movies, you know, where the voice is kind of booming. Lazarus, come forth. Not like that. Be a very normal, very normal voice, you know, because God doesn't have to speak like that. You know, He should. The Bible says that, that, Bible, that, that God speak to us in a still, small voice quiet voice. We have to be hearing. We've got to be listening. Then what happened after he said, Lazarus, come forth? Lazarus came out alive. 
God calls us to life. And then we need to respond to that. Can God resurrect the dead like what we have here? People who have a deadness in their heart? I believe so. If they're willing to respond. If they're willing to, you know, I, I, I just believe that God can call anybody out of anything. And we know that when God calls people out of some uh, degenerate lifestyle, some, uh, some lifestyle that's leading into that downward spiral, we know that when God calls people out of that, there's forgiveness, isn't there? People need to leave their past behind. So when Paul is talking about our wardrobe, changing our clothing, he's saying when you came out of that, when you came out of the Gentile lifestyle with all of the pagan worship and all of the the uh, the uh, degenerate lifestyle that they were living, he said, change everything. Leave the old life behind. Literally, put on new clothes. Put on new clothes and 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 leave it behind. And that's what people. That's what we have to do. You know, that's what people have to do if they're in this cycle that Paul is talking about. I don't think all hope is lost. I believe there's hope for people, you know, and, and, and God may use you to reach somebody. I tell you that almost every Sunday, but I believe that. I believe that. I believe we're called to not just learn Scripture, but we're called to le- le- live that out in our daily life. And God puts people into your life for purposes, for a purpose. That's not accidental. Relationships that you have with people are not accidental. That's very intentional. When you meet somebody, you need to take a moment and say, why am I meeting this person? What are we here for? You know, we may be talking about cars. We might be talking about food. We might be talking about uh, working out, talk about lots of different things. But that's not what we're there for. We're there for something else. God has, God has an agenda there. And you don't know exactly what kind of a situation that person that you've just met is in. You know what they're telling you. And in time, it may come out what they're living through. You know, they may be living with a, a horrible disease, a terminal disease, and they don't have long to live. And God put you into their life to give them an opportunity to be saved. That's a very real possibility. So uh, our culture, you know, the media, the media makes psychopaths martyrs, and they make drag queens role models. We're living in a time, I'm not going to say we're living in a time like no other, because uh, if you look back in Bible history, this has happened before. The reason it's different is because we have technology. I have in my pocket a device that can connect me to any place in the world, and I carry it around. 
I carry it around in my pocket. I can watch, literally watch the news from any country in the world on that device. That's the difference of the world we're living in. I remember some years ago, I used to be a teacher, and I'm standing in front of a classroom of teenage, uh, I think they were juniors or something, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, and this was, this was, this was seven or eight years ago, so this was a while ago, but it suddenly dawned on me that they never knew a world without a cell phone and the internet. They had never lived in a world without that. I have, you know, I remember well when the internet came in. Uh, dial up. I remember that sound your computer made when it was dialing up. You know, I, I remember that well. Um, I remember how long it took for a web page to load. Now it's almost instantaneous on my phone. That's the difference of the world that we live in. The world that we live in, you can find literally anything you want on your phone. Any sort of perversion that someone is looking for, they carry the device in their pocket. Now, you can also get good stuff. You know, you can find... uh, you can find videos of nearly every message that's been spoken in this building for probably, I don't know, the last 10 years or more. You can find that. You know, we run a lot of really great um, Christian teachers on CSN. They're all online. You can find the good stuff or you can find the bad stuff. But that's the world, that's the difference of the world we live in. You know, back in Bible days, they may have only traveled 20 miles from their home their whole life. Now, you know, travel is fast. Uh, News travels fast. You can text somebody, and in a few seconds they have it in another country. My wife FaceTimes her sister in the Philippines on a phone. I mean... For you young people, that's like, so? (laughs) But this is a big change in our culture. This has shifted our culture in a huge way. And, uh, you know, that that ability to engage in either a God-honoring lifestyle or a completely sinful lifestyle that's going to lead people down into the pit of hell it's right there. It, it's, it's, a, it's a why in the road. It's a why in the road. Next time when you're faced with a decision, you know, I've got some time on my hands. How am I going to spend that time? It's a simple, it's a why in the road you're going down. I can either spend it for something that's going to be God-honoring, that's going to grow me spiritually, make me closer in my walk with God, or it's going to lead me on a path away from God to a hard, dead heart that's going to spiral down. You have a choice. You have a choice in that. Just take a few seconds next time you're faced with that and just think about that. 
So Paul's talking about clothing there. The problem with clothing for the Gentile people, we're talking about spiritual clothing here, not physical clothing. But I'm going to use physical clothing as a description. Physical clothing, the old clothes get really comfortable, don't they? They get way more comfortable. You put on new clothes, they're sort of stiff. Sometimes they're a little scratchy. This it's not very comfortable. But you put on a, a pair of pants and a, a t-shirt that's old, and man, that's comfort. That's comfort. I, I have my favorite t-shirts from 15 years ago that, you know, if they're missing from my closet, I'm asking my wife, babe, what'd you do with that t-shirt? Because that's my favorite one. And she's thinking, that old thing, he won't miss it. <laughs> he won't miss it if it's gone. But you do. Because it's comfortable. What Paul's telling the Gentiles here is you, you came from that lifestyle of pagan worship and, and, and everything that came with that. Those old clothes are musty. They smell like death. They stink. They're dirty. You need to burn them. And they're saying, but they're so comfortable. I'm comfortable like this. Paul is saying, put that off. Put that off and put on something that God is providing you. Put on that clothing. It's it's a new life. That's the thing when we become a Christian, right? It's a new life. You put the old life behind you. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I will, somebody will ask me to pray for them. And the verse that always comes to my mind when someone does that is, the prayer of a righteous man avails much, or it does much. It's worth a lot. It's powerful. And then my next thought is, Scott, you're not really a righteous man. <laughs> you're not really... Because I know what goes on in my own heart. But the Lord says, when you become a Christian, when you come to me, you have a new heart. Now, we're never where we want to be, right? I believe the Holy Spirit convicts us all the time. The Holy Spirit, God wants to move us closer and closer to Him. And the way He does that is a very gradual process. takes your entire lifetime. So am I ever going to get to the point where I can say, wow, I'm really a righteous man? Well, really, I hope not, because that's a very prideful thing to say. I hope we're always checking ourselves. I hope we're always self-examining ourselves. We're always saying, you know, really, this thing, this influence on you, this influence on me, is not good. You need to remove that from your life. So I'm, I'm not trying here. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into to you thinking that, oh, I'm really a horrible person because I have this whole secret aspect of my life that I don't really want anyone to know about. And uh, it's, it's really bad. I'm not trying to guilt anyone like that. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say we need to be encouraged to to move in that direction of letting God clothe us with His Spirit. 
That's a lifelong process, seriously. You know, there were, there were people like great Christians over the history. You know, people like Billy Graham. You'd look at him and, and you know, there's a lot of Christian leaders that as they live on, things happen to them and they fall into various kinds of traps, you know, maybe with women or something like that. And, uh, and they, they get really discredited because of that. And, uh, but you look at someone like Billy Graham, never happened to him. He, he was, you know, when he died, he was a stand-up guy. He was like, he lived what he preached. Nobody ever questioned that about him. There was never a hint of immorality or anything like that about him that I ever heard about. You know, but he lived his life in a way to prevent that. He never went anywhere by himself. He always had other men accompanying him. He was never alone with a woman other than his wife. He never put himself in the position where he could fall into temptation. He was very careful about that. I'm not really sure where I was going with that. But, but I, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I have a long ways to go. Don't, don't look at me and say, oh, Scott's got it all figured out. I, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm working on that. And uh, my family would attest to that. They would say, yeah, you got a ways to go. So it's that darkness of the heart that leads to, you know, it's very disturbing to me when I see things that are happening. Of course, I look back in history and I say, you know, things like this have happened before, but it's that deadness of the heart that leads to that. It's that deadness of a heart that leads to people thinking that the Holocaust is okay. The people thinking that genocide is okay. That people looking at other people and saying they're not worth it. They're not worth living. This disturbing. There's this whole movement towards not, well, I'm going to say it since I started it. There's this whole movement towards seeing older people, old people as not worth keeping alive as, uh, you know, they just need to die because they're a burden on the system. There's that whole movement towards that. That's not new. That isn't new. It's been around for a while, just that it, it went away for a while. But not seeing the value of human life, it's that darkness of their heart. You know, we are made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. If you're a Christian, you are a saint. And there again, you might say, well, I, I don't feel very saintly, and I didn't act very saintly the other night. You know, um, wouldn't really want anyone to think that I thought my, of myself as a saint the other night. You might be like that, but you are saints. You are saints. God has a purpose for you. To be a saint simply means that you have been set aside for God's purpose, and He has a purpose for you. And you are made in the image of God. And so therefore, if you, if you go from there, and there's somebody who is saying, oh, I, I may look like a man, but I don't want to be a man, so I'm going to change that. You think you're smarter than God? 
Do you think you're smarter than God? Because God made you like that. If you are a woman and you're thinking, oh, I really would rather be a man, you don't have that choice because God made you the way you are and you are made in the image of God. You just don't go fooling with that kind of stuff. It's not going to end well. It isn't going to end well. There's things like that, that, that this respect for people. You know, Christianity was revolutionary. It was revolutionary for women because the Lord and the entire New Testament with the coming of Jesus, they elevated women to being equal with men. Not over men, but equal with men. That was revolutionary. That was crazy. Because before that, women were looked at as as possessions that men owned. Men could do whatever they wanted to with their woman. And you read Paul's letters. Read Paul's letters. The respect that we have for women. And it continues. So Paul in verse 20, he says, you did not come to know Christ this way. Talking about that, that wardrobe, the clothing. You didn't know, you didn't come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and taught of him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The, the Ephesians, the Ephesian Christians were taught, were, were being taught the opposite of what the world had taught them by learning about Jesus Christ. And Paul uses a couple of terms there to do that with. He uses the term subject, teacher, and atmosphere. So Jesus was the subject of that instruction to know Christ in verse 20. That it would be way more accurately translated if it said to learn Christ. It's not knowing Christ, it's to learn Christ. It's more than just a simple head knowledge. They learned him, they learned his life, they learned his teachings. They learned even the atmosphere around him. And then next to that is uh, that Jesus was their teacher. Uh, Verse 21 says, Surely you have heard of him. Surely you have heard of him. That word of is not in Greek. It isn't there. It was added there. It doesn't say, uh, it doesn't say you have heard of him. It says, you, surely you heard him. That's different, right? You heard him, not you've heard of him. That's a completely different, different idea there. Um, so even if that teaches, teaching, even if, if that teaching is repeated 2,000 years later by a Bible teacher somewhere, they're, they're, the words coming out of their mouth are the words of Jesus. The words coming out of their mouth are the words of Jesus. You heard him. You heard him. That's the goal I always have. Every time, you know, it's my privilege to to be up here teaching, but I always walk out here with fear and trembling. I can tell you that. Guys that that know me, you know, they know they know that that's true. I say that all the time. And the reason is is because I don't want my words to be my own words. I want them to be the words of God. I want them to be God teaching you. I want I want the Lord, I want Jesus Christ 
to be doing the teaching and to leading me. And he does that if my heart is in the right place. I have to prepare myself to do this. I have to do a lot of self-examination for myself. Every time I read something, I'm preparing to to present a message like this. Self-examination. Self-examination. I look at myself and say, how does that apply to me? How does that apply to me where I'm at? And hopefully I'm not where I was five years ago. Hopefully I've grown in the Lord. And hopefully I'm, 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 I'm stronger and I'm more in touch with Him than I was then. So Jesus was the subject, the teacher, and the atmosphere. And that is the Christian experience. That's the experience we have as Christians. So um, the Ephesians church were infused with that downward spiral when they were Gentiles, and then when they became Christians, it was the exact opposite. It was to be the opposite. And everything about their lifestyle changed. Everything that they had done before changed. So the Ephesians had to put off, put off that lifestyle described in verse 17 and 19 when they first came to the Lord. And then in verse 22, Paul challenges them to continue to continue putting off those old clothes. It's not a one-time thing, is it? That would be great if it was a one-time thing. You know, if you could, if you could spiritually go and just, just change everything in your life, change your appearance, change how you think, change your heart, that would be great. But it's not like that. It isn't like that. I, I've said before, I've said, you know, I have the old man in, inside here, the old man that I was, uh, before I became a Christian which was a long time ago. But that old man is locked in a closet somewhere in here. And I never feed him, and I never give him water, and I'm hoping he'll die one of these days. Just go away. But every now and then, he comes out. And it's ugly. It's ugly when he comes out. It is not pretty. You know, I work here. I work across the hall there at the radio station. Most of those guys over there are Christians. A lot of them are involved in this church right here. And they see me. They see me when that old man comes out. And I'm embarrassed. And I have to ask forgiveness. Not just from God, but from them. Because it's ugly. It doesn't happen as often as it used to. Thank God. But the old man is still there. We still have to deal with that. Paul is saying... You, you take off the clothes that you wear from before, but it's not a one-time thing. You have to keep taking it off. You've got to keep taking it off. And the reason I'm saying that is to try to give you hope. Because you know, you're going to have those days that are just bad. They're just not good at all. And you just did not deport yourself as a Christian. And you're embarrassed. And sometimes you may feel like, you know what? I might as well give up this Christian thing. I'm just too carnal. I just can't do it. And so what I'm trying to do with that is I'm trying to encourage you to say that even Paul had days like that. Paul said, I do things that I don't want to do. And I don't do things that I want to do. That's Paul. Paul is like the, you know, he's like the greatest Christian who ever lived, right? 
But he had times like that. So if he's going to have times like that, are we going to have times like that? Oh, yes, we will. We will. We will have times like that. But the good news is that the change that God, the change that the Lord is working within us continues. It doesn't just stop because we have a bad day. It doesn't just stop because we didn't really act like a Christian that day. God continues the work. There's a process that you go through when that happens. You ask forgiveness. You ask forgiveness from God. God, I I am so sorry. I didn't stand up as a Christian very well today. And I ask you to forgive me. Keep working. God, keep working in my heart. Keep making me the Christian that I should be, that you want me to be. And God will forgive you. It doesn't matter what you did. Now, that's not a license to go out and live like a Gentile. That's not a license to go out and, you know, on a Friday night, you live like Mr. Hyde. If you, uh, I don't know if they still read that book in uh, school, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's, that's kind of how I am, you know. I have a Mr. Mr. Hyde side and I have a Dr. Jekyll side. And they're both there. So if you've ever read that, if you haven't read it, go read it. But, uh, but, but you have a time like that. But God keeps working in your heart. You ask forgiveness. And you start over again. You know, and the fact is that over time, you're going to grow as a Christian. And the, the temptations that you have as a, a young new Christian or as a young person, they're not the same as when you get older because you've grown. You've grown and you've, you've gained control. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is control, self-control. So you're able to say, you might be tempted by something, you might be in a situation where it's like, wow, what do I do here? You know, because that would be really cool. Go do that. And you're able to say, no, no, wait a minute. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say, you know, I really need to go home. I really need to go home. I just need to get out of this situation and God enables you to do that. And I'll tell you what, God will bless you for that too. You know, you might feel like you're really missing out. You're like, I had an opportunity here to do something that would be so awesome. And I said no, and I went home. I lost. You might think I lost out. No, you didn't. No, no, you didn't. Because God will bless you for that. God will bless you. And down the road, you may not see it right now, but in the future, you're going to say, I'm so glad I didn't do that. I'm so glad. Because there's consequences for everything you do. Everything you do has consequences, good or bad. And that's what you're faced with right there. So the problem is that those old clothes that we wore... As a Gentile, they're so comfortable, but we've got to put them off. We've got to put them away. And then in between the putting off of the old and the putting on of the new is, is 
that thing that Paul says to be made new in the attitude of our mind, to be made new in our mind. So it's that renewing of our mind that the Lord is doing. It's that renewing of the mind that the Holy Spirit is doing. It's that, it's that work that God is doing in our life. And we're slowly moving closer and closer to what God wants us to be, to what honors God in our life. And we're going to get there. It's a process. It's a two steps forward and one step back kind of a thing. You know, and when you fall flat on your face as a Christian, don't just berate yourself. Don't just beat yourself up. Just ask forgiveness for it and move on. Ask forgiveness and move on. There's no need to live in guilt. That's what the blood of Jesus did. God looks at us through blood-colored glasses. It means we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And God, I, I believe God does not see us like we are, you know, totally messed up people. He sees us like we will be. He sees us like we should be because of Jesus. So take heart. Take heart. Take heart. Put off the old clothes. Put on the new ones. Ask God. Pray for God to change your mind and your heart. And He will. He will. He will ask you to do things. He might ask you to stop doing things. Stop doing things and start doing different things. He's going to guide you in that. And you need to respond. You know, if, if you say no, if you say no, then, then the process is kind of stalled. Because God's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. You know, we're not robots. We're not programmable. Well, we are programmable, but not like that. We have a lot of free will. God gives us a lot of free will. It's our choice. What are you going to choose? Which way are you going to choose? You're at that Y in the road. You're going to go left or right. And you know where the destination is. You know, if you take the wrong Y, there's another Y up here. You can get over on the other road. You can always change. So don't think you can't change. And, and you know, maybe you're somebody who's, you know, you're not really a young person anymore. Let's just put it that way. You've been around the block a few times. You've been down that wrong Y a few times. And you're saying there's no hope for me. No, there is hope for you. Just make a choice. Make a change. We have that term, we have that word in Christianity called repentance. That's what that means. When was the last time you used repentance in your week? You know, it's a word we don't use anymore. But that's what that means, is to go in a different direction. You're going to stop what you're doing, and you're going to change your life. And it's a simple choice that you make, and you depend on God. You depend on the Lord to do that. I'm going to pray in a minute here and uh, bring this to a close. And I'm going to stand right down here and I'm going to be here for prayer if you would like for me to pray with you. And uh, I just want you to go with the Lord. I want you to want for Him to bless you. And I want for you to 
leave this place with hope. Lord God Almighty, thank You for Your Word that You've given to us so freely. We thank You that Your Word brings life and that we have forgiveness for for, uh, for our sins. We have forgiveness for all of the ways that we've come short. Father, I ask You to bless each and every person here today. I ask You to work in their life and in their heart. Renew each and every one.